Isn't that awesome to hear the calling that God's placed on all those different peoples, young, old, everyone's lives? Can I just tell you something? Uh, God has a calling for you. I want you to hear this. This is Right now we're going into a series called From, from Given to Giver. And, and listen, God has something for you. God wants to call you to be a part of, of his mission and, and his work in the world. And you just heard from a lot of different people in our church. Thank you to everyone that was a part of that video. And thank you to all of you that are responding to God's call in different ways. One of the things I love about the body of Christ is that God gives each of us unique gifts and abilities and callings that we all, when, put it, when we put it together, we build the kingdom together. And so I want you to hear this. God has a calling for you. Today, we're starting this new series, From Given to Giver, and, and that's what this is all about. Um, our, our, our vision here at, at Westchester Church is upward, outward, forward. I just want to talk to you a little bit about that, upward, that every person that, that we come in contact with, that every person that walks in the doors of this church, they are called to grow closer to God, to grow in their relationship with Christ. And so our, our vision is to help every person no matter how young, how old, how long they've been a Christian, to grow in their faith. The outward piece of our vision is where we're really going to be focusing over the next three weeks. The outward piece is that God has done great things for us. God has given us his grace, but we're not meant to just keep it. We're meant to go and take it. God is calling us to go, to serve others, to share our faith. And then the forward piece, listen, if you walk out this door right here and you go back in the hallway by Hawks Hall, you'll see the history of our church over 60 years that this church has been in existence, and you'll see just the amazing ways that God has blessed this church through amazing leaders, amazing people, through moves, through all that stuff. I, I want you to hear this. Our church has a rich, rich history, but I want you to hear this more. Our church has a rich future. And the forward piece of our vision is that we're going to invest in the future by investing in our young people and investing in new leaders. And so, so that's our vision. We're really going to focus in on the outward piece. And, and this year is kind of our outward emphasis. And so there are things that we're going to be talking about, things that we're doing as a church to accomplish the vision of reaching out. We have so many different ministries. If you serve in an outreach ministry at the church, would you just raise your hand? Okay, you guys are being modest. There is more of you that serve. We have so many. One of the things I love about this church is there are so many different ministries that are reaching out into our community. And, and that's a great opportunity for each of us to live out God's calling. A lot of those ministries were started when God spoke to a person and called them to do it. And so we have all these different ministries. Another thing that you're going to hear a lot about this year is we as a church have entered into a partnership with Springdale Church to start a school in Guatemala, in the, in the town of Chinaboquil. And, and so we, ha, we are funding together with Springdale the school so that kids over in Guatemala or down in Guatemala can, can hear the good news about Jesus Christ. We are called to go. We have all these different things going on in the church. But listen, I want you to hear this today. The vision of our church is not about programs. It's not about what we plan it's about each and every one of you living it out every single day. It's about you growing in your faith and helping each other grow in your faith. It's about you going out, being called by God and responding to that call to serve and to share your faith. It's about you investing 
in the future. And, and so that's this series. We have all been given so much, but God calls us to not just be given, but to be a giver. That's what we're going to be. We're going to be looking at First Peter chapter 4. This is um, Peter's letter to the church uh, in, in the Roman province of Asia Minor. He, this was a circular letter that was going around the churches. And so this is, this is Peter's letter. We're going to be looking at uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're really going to be focusing in on verses 1 through 11. So we're spending three weeks in 11 verses here. Today we're really going to focus on 1 through 7. And then we're going to get into the rest of it over the next two weeks. But, but I want you to hear this. Today, this isn't just about showing up. This isn't just about a program. It's not just about worshiping. This is about God calling you. So as we look at God's word, I want you to be thinking. I want you to be open to what God has for you. Just like all the people in that video that God is calling to a lot of different things, God has a calling for you all of us are called to build the kingdom together. And so let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you would speak through your word. I pray that each person in here, no matter how long they've been a Christian or if they are a Christian, maybe there are some here today that, that haven't um, accepted you as their Lord and Savior. I pray today that they would make that huge decision to follow you. I pray that they would hear the good news of your gospel. And I pray that they would turn to you. And I pray that for each and every one of us, no matter how long we've been at this, I pray, Lord, that you would call us to be a part of your kingdom, and to build your kingdom together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, stand up with me. We're going to read 1 Peter 4, verses 1 through 11. We're standing because we believe God wants to speak through his word today. So here we go. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery and lust and drunkenness and orgies and carousing and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in this reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead." For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to the human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift that, God, that you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as, as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and, and the power forever and ever. Amen. All right, have a seat. We're moving from give in to give her today. Listen, I, I, 
I know we're all in different places in our journey. And, and as I said earlier, I know some of you may be new to this whole Christianity thing. Maybe you're not even there yet. I want you to know that God loves you, that last week we, we celebrated Easter and Holy Week. We, we saw that Jesus went to the cross for our sins, to pay for our sins, to give us forgiveness and life, and he raised from the dead, and we celebrated that last week, and we're going to keep celebrating it. But today, I, I, I want to talk about what the, the cross calls us to do. What's our response to that? See, it, it starts, the, the scripture starts with therefore. Chapter 4 starts with the word therefore, which tells us that it's pointing back to something else. So this is written to the churches in Asia Minor. They're, they're, being, they're being persecuted. They're suffering because they're outsiders. That It's not a you know, a Christian world at that point or place. And so these people are struggling and they're suffering. And Peter's writing to try to help encourage them to live the way they're supposed to live and to continue to live for his kingdom. And it, chapter 4 starts with therefore because it's pointing back to chapter 3 where it says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. So what, what Peter's saying here is because Jesus, because of the cross, because Jesus suffered and died for us, we have received because of that. Therefore, since that happened, we are to arm ourselves with the same attitude as Jesus Christ. Let's talk about this. This is, this is kind of weird, isn't it? We arm yourselves. The, the, the word arm there is a strange, it's a strange thing for him to choose because they're being, they're being persecuted. And oftentimes when we, think of, when we think of being armed, what are we thinking of? We're, think, yeah, we're thinking of guns we, in this world. We're thinking of guns. We're thinking of, you know, protection. We're thinking of fighting for ourselves. Peter says, arm yourself with the same attitude as Jesus Christ. Why do we need, why do they, why do we need to arm ourselves? Not so that we can fight back, not so that we can protect ourselves, but so that we can do what God has called us to do. See, they were facing persecution, they were facing opposition, they were, they were facing temptation, they were facing uh, opposition to the calling that God has for them. Listen, let's just get this straight today. Most of us are not living in a place of suffering, hopefully, and persecution. We live in kind of a different time, but, but every single one of us faces opposition in our faith. And you may not know this, but every single day there is a battle for your soul going on. There is an enemy that's trying to steal your joy, trying to pull you away from your Savior every single day. And so Peter says, arm yourself, because of what Jesus did, arm yourselves with the same attitude as Jesus Christ. we got to arm ourselves. And so thinking of the attitude of Jesus, I, I love the timing of this because we just walked through Holy Week together last week. And I'm thinking of three separate things. When I think about what the attitude of Jesus is, I think of three separate moments that we saw on Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. The first thing is he dines with his disciples, the Last Supper. Maybe you've seen the picture of it. Maybe you've taken communion before. Maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe not. But, but Jesus gathered with his disciples on his last night with them. 
He gathered with them and he sat at the dinner table and he told them this tough news that they were going to betray him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus sitting with these guys who have been following him for years and he says, hey, by the way, I'm going to a cross and you guys are going to fail me. Let me ask you a question. What attitude did Jesus have when he shared that meal? It wasn't an attitude of bitterness. Let's be honest. People fail us all the time. And it's easy for us to become bitter, but it says arm yourselves with the same attitude as Jesus Christ. How did Jesus react to the fact that the disciples were going to betray him, flee from him, scatter, fail him? He had an attitude of love and restoration. He even he told Peter, the, the writer of this, he said, hey, you are going to deny me three times. You're going to fail me completely, but I'm going to restore you. His attitude wasn't bitterness. His attitude was grace and love and reconciliation. The second thing we see is that he goes to the garden. Jesus goes to the garden. We're going to come back to this a little bit later to pray. And why does he go to the garden to pray? Because he's hurting. He's human. He's fully God, fully man, but he's human. He feels the same emotions we do, and he knows he's going to a cross. And most of us will never have to experience, probably none of us will have to experience the pain and the torture that he experienced. He knows he's going to that, and so he goes into the garden, and he cries out to God. He says, God, if there's Father, if there's any way that this can be taken from me, if there's any way to avoid the cross, please. But what's his attitude? He says, but not my will, thy will. Thy will be done. So, so his humanity says, please don't make me suffer, but his attitude is, whatever you want, God, I'm in for it. The third thing we see is, is this crazy story. Peter, the writer of this again, he's all over the place. He's in the middle of everything. And, and they come to arrest Jesus. And what does Peter do? He tries to chop a guy's ear off. And he, he does chop a guy's ear off. Any of you ever want to chop someone's ear off? <laughs> Anybody? Let's be honest. Any of you ever wanted to like just, you know, wring someone's neck? Any of you ever felt opposition and you, you just want to arm yourselves and you want to fight back? What's Jesus' attitude in that moment? It's an attitude of healing and forgiveness and restoration. And what does he do? He heals the man. What a beautiful thing. So this says, arm yourselves. If we're going to be what God calls us to be, if we're going to do what God calls us to do, we have to arm ourselves with the same attitude as Jesus. What is that attitude? It's an attitude of love and grace and restoration. Arm yourselves with that attitude. So um, you guys know I love sports. I know that you, not all of you love sports like I love sports. But yesterday was the start of the first round of the NBA playoffs. So I'm kind of pumped up about it. And, and as I was thinking about what it looks like to arm ourselves with the attitude of Christ, it reminded me of something uh, back from the 90s. So you may not be a basketball fan. You may not be a sports fan. But I'm willing to bet that any of you that were alive in, in the early, mid-90s, and weren't babies, um, any of you that were alive at that time probably remember some, you probably remember a famous athlete, basketball player, Michael Jordan. 
Everybody remember him? Anybody remember the commercial? See, the thing is, he kind of transcended sports, and there were these commercials. Anybody remember Gatorade commercials? You remember the song that they sang? Sometimes I dream that he is me. I don't know all the words, but, <laughs> but that's pretty much what I know. But then it says, like Mike, if I could be like Mike, and then they, I want to be, I want to, no, I and this, this idea, Gatorade put this commercial out because they knew that everybody wanted to be like Mike. And so what did they do? They said, if you want to be like Mike, drink Gatorade. And all of these people, I bring this up because a generation and maybe multiple generations grew up trying to be like Mike. How many of you played basketball and stuck your tongue out when you shot the ball because Michael Jordan did? Kids everywhere players everywhere were trying to copy him, sticking their tongue out when they shoot. They were trying to hang in the air like he did. None of us can do that, right? I, don't, I, I jump and I'm already on the ground before I leave the ground. It's crazy. But, but all these people tried to be like Mike. And the, the ad said, hey, if you want to be like Mike, just drink Gatorade. All these different athletes tried to copy his game, tried to copy who he was. Here, here's where I want to get to. Um, there was one athlete one basketball player that I think became more like Mike than anyone else. Anyone got a guess as to who that was? It's Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant studied Michael Jordan. He, he did all of his same moves. He learned his moves. He learned how to do it. He patterned his game after Michael Jordan. So did everyone else in the world, by the way. And, and it didn't work for all of us. But one thing that I think Kobe did that most of us have never gotten, if we were trying to be like Mike, is that he took the same attitude and mindset of Michael Jordan. See, Mike, Michael Jordan was great, and he was, you know, you could wear his shoes, and you could wear the short black socks, and, and you could dress like him, and stick your tongue out, and all that stuff. You could do fadeaways and all that, but a lot of people could do that, but, but they didn't quite turn out to be like Mike. There was something that made him unique and different. You know what that was? It was his mindset and his attitude. The thing that separated him from everyone else is that he was not going to lose. He was not going to be outworked. And Kobe, early on in his career, he learned all the moves. He learned to look like Mike, but he also learned the attitude. And he took, we call it the, this is kind of a famous thing in the sports, the mamba mentality that nobody's going to outwork me nobody's going to beat me. Not only did he learn the moves, lots of people learned the moves. He took on the attitude, and I would say is the closest thing we've seen to Michael Jordan that there's been. And so Peter says, arm yourselves with not the same look, not the same actions. He says, arm yourselves with the same attitude as Jesus Christ. See, there are a lot of Christians in this world that, that are good at looking the part, we can dress the right way, we can act the right way, we can go to the right places. There are lots of people that are trying to be like Jesus, but they're just looking the part. Peter says, no, you need to arm yourselves with the same attitude, the same mindset, the same heart that Jesus had. If we're going to go from receiving to being givers, we need to arm ourselves with the same attitude as Jesus means we need to be all about love, grace, reconciliation, the Father's will, serving others. 
And so arm yourselves with his attitude. It says in verse 2, as a result, when you arm yourselves with the same attitude as Jesus Christ, as a result, you do not live. They do not live for the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. It says at the end of verse 1, it says, those that arm themselves with the attitude of Christ are done with sin. Have the same attitude. What's the attitude? Being completely surrendered to his will, his purposes, love, grace, compassion, restoration. Those that arm themselves with that attitude are done with sin. Why? Because there's no place for it anymore. I confess things to you all the time. You guys know I've got a long-standing battle with uh, soft drinks and Coca-Cola and my health, right? And, and you guys have heard me talk about this before. Do you guys remember anything I say? Yeah. Okay, so, so I've had this long battle with soft drinks. And I, I've confessed to you many times uh, my failures and my struggles. I, so many times I tried to stop drinking soft drinks and, and, you know, I made it like a day and became just this mean old nasty person. <laughs> And gave up, right? I got some, I, listen, you don't, you don't have to be excited about this like I am, but I'm like almost four months in now. Almost four months, yeah. I don't say that to brag because I'm about to confess something, Scott. Don't get too excited, okay? Because here's the deal, like I'm, I'm doing really well. It's been almost four months. I feel better. I'm, uh, you know, but am I done with it? I don't think so. <laughs> I love feeling better, I love, you know, being in better shape, but honestly, I also really love Coca-Cola. <laughs> and at some point, I'm going to get to the place where I want to be physically, and I'm, I'm probably not done with soft drinks. Here's the deal, we can look the part, we can even practice the part, we can do all these things, but, but this says have the same attitude and mindset, and when you have the same attitude and mindset, there's no place for sin. And so there's a difference between just acting like something and being completely sold out and surrendered. And when you're sold out and surrendered, there's no place for that stuff. And so those that arm themselves with the mindset, with the attitude of Jesus are done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. They're completely committed so here's the thing, we just came through Easter, we, on Good Friday we, we lit the cross, we see the cross, we understand that Jesus has given us all a great gift, you know that right? That Jesus died on a cross for you and for me to pay for our sins, what a gift. There will never be another gift that you will receive that is that amazing. But can I take us a step further today? The cross is more than just a gift. Jesus came and died so that we could be forgiven of our sins, but he also came and died so that we could have life and life to the fullest. And so the cross is much more than a gift. The cross is our calling. If we're going to arm ourselves with the same attitude as Jesus, there's, what, do we, what does Jesus say? We take up our cross and we follow him. He says, whoever wants to gain their life will what? Lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will gain. And so there's this idea. Listen, sometimes we get all excited about what we receive, and that's good. We should celebrate. We should worship. We should be thankful to God for all that he's done. Thank you. But we're not just meant to be receivers. 
We're meant to be a part of it. We're meant to be givers. We're meant to take up our cross and follow Jesus. It's not just a a gift. It's a calling. That's what real faith looks like. Listen, if you're new, this this may sound kind of tough. Wait, I got to take up a cross. I got to go through that. It's not. We'll get there in a minute. But this is our calling. Let Let me just ask you. You don't have to answer this. I don't want you to answer this, but I want you to be thinking about this. Is this what your faith looks like? Are you living completely surrendered, completely for his will? Will You have no place for selfish, earthly desires. All you want is to glorify and honor him. This is what we talk about when we talk about holiness. It's not just acting apart. It's being completely, completely living for his purposes, his will. Anyone trying to honor God, any follower of Christ, as we surrender our lives, as we take up our cross, we are led outward. We go from being given, from receiving, to being givers. This is the path that God has for us. And it says, well, you know, you've spent enough time doing all that stuff that the pagans do. Verse 3 says, you've spent enough time living like those pagans that are wasting their time, that are living just for their evil desires and selfish desires. You've done that for long enough. It's time to arm yourselves with the mind of Christ and live completely for his will. Listen, when, when we move from just receiving God's grace to living completely for God's purposes... We're going to live the holy lives that God calls us to. That's what we're called to. And some of you in here, you may be new to this and you may be thinking, hey, that's a a tough calling. I really like all that worldly stuff. And you may feel like God's calling you to miss out on something. I I felt that way, honestly, growing up. All the things that everyone else got to do that we didn't do, I kind of felt like I was missing out. No, that's not what this is. It's not about calling us away from good things. It's about calling us to good things. Peter says, you've you've wasted your time long enough with all that selfishness and sin and lust and idolatry and all that stuff that's just about you and you and you. It's time to live for him. To live for something. See, yes, we take up our cross, we die to self, we lose our life, but what do we do? We gain real life. We are called to really live. The truth is, people around us that are doing all that stuff that we think looks fun, it's not, it's wasteful, it leaves you empty over and over again. Only, only in a life committed to Jesus Christ can we have fulfillment Only in Christ Jesus can we have true life. We need to be done with that junk. And we need to be living completely for him. So we're called to arm ourselves with the same mindset as Jesus Christ and to live completely for his will. And then we're called to be a part of his plan. See, Jesus came and he ministered and he died on a cross and he rose from the dead and And he came back and he said, hey, I'm going to be going, you're going to hear it in the next song, I'm going to be going back to the Father, but when I go, I'm going to send the Spirit. And he told his disciples, he said, wait for the Spirit, and then guess what? He sent the Spirit, and what was Jesus' command? To go and make disciples. See, God's plan was never for us to sit around and be receivers. 
God's plan was never for us to sit in churches and feel comfortable and feel, you know, everything's perfect. God's plan is for us to receive and then to go. And far too many people in our day, listen, I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes, but far too many people are looking the part and they come to church and they say, God, give me more, give me more, give me more. And they miss that God has a life of giving and serving. And that's where it's at. Listen, there, there, there are, our, our church culture, not this local church, but the church culture in general is a church culture of receiving. We go from church to church because we want to receive what's best for us. We go to church sometimes and we, we want to receive, we want to hear the music that we want and we want to see the programming that we want and we want to hear a pastor that talks about the things that we like to hear about and we have this mentality of sitting and receiving. That's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. God's plan is that each and every one of us, this is the vision not just of our church but of the kingdom. This is God's vision that every single one of us would receive his grace, and then we would become givers, to go from give in to giver, that we would all join him in the mission of building the kingdom. We are his ambassadors. We are the plan to reach the world around us. So we can't just sit and receive. We are called to become givers. That brings us to verse 9. Verse 9 says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, there's another therefore, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. I love that this is where we end today. I mean, it goes on from here, but I, I love that this is where it goes. Peter says, arm yourselves with the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Take on that attitude, that, that mindset, that heart that you're living for restoration, that you're living for love and grace, that you're on a mission, you're completely sold out. He says, the end of all things is near. Another way that that's said is at hand. So obviously this was written a couple thousand years ago and we think, wait a minute, it's not really near if it was a couple thousand years ago. And here we, but listen, this is what it's saying. It's saying the end is coming. There's an expiration date to this world. We don't know what time or when, but we know that the end is coming. It's at hand, and so what do we do? Therefore, therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. I love that this is where it goes. Be alert and of sober mind. Have a right view of what's happening understand, be alert, don't fall asleep to the fact that, that God is redeeming the world, don't fall asleep to the fact that a judgment day is coming, don't fall asleep to the fact that this all is going to end. It says be of sober mind. Some, what happens when you're not sober? You're, you're not thinking straight, you don't know what's what, you're confused, and this says be of sober mind because the end is coming, so we need to be clear so that what? We can pray. Let me just tell you this, that, that in order to have the attitude and mindset of Jesus Christ, we need to start with prayer. We've got to be alert and of sober mind so that we can pray because you can't, I know I said earlier, arm yourself. You can't arm yourself with the attitude of Jesus Christ on your own. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer can we be armed with that mindset. 
So Peter says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so you can pray. This reminds me once again uh, of the events of Holy Week. Jesus goes to the garden to pray. Why did Jesus go to pray? Because he needed prayer. He needed the Father so that his attitude and his heart could be at the right place. When Jesus, Jesus is going to the cross, Jesus is, I mean, this is the God-man. This is the Savior of the world. This is fully God, fully man. This is Jesus of all people in the world that probably shouldn't need to pray. There's Jesus, right? But no, Jesus needed, needed to pray. It's what kept him in the right attitude and mindset. And, and then I want to contrast that with what happened with the disciples. Jesus goes and prays. What do the disciples do? They fall asleep. They, they lose their way. Peter says, listen, the end of all things is near. You need to arm yourselves with the mindset of Jesus. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray because the key to arming yourself with the attitude of Jesus is prayer. This is something we believe in big time here. Our core values, one of our core values is that we are prayer driven. Prayer is the key to everything we do. Everything we do. Listen, we can be as talented as we want. We can have the best ideas. If they're not bathed in prayer and if they're not guided by the Holy Spirit, it's pretty worthless. Peter says you need to arm yourselves with the attitude of Jesus Christ. Therefore, keep your mind right. Be alert and pray. Worship team's going to come up. We're going to sing a song called the the commission, and this just talks about Jesus leaving, but that it's not the end, that we are called to something bigger. Here's the thing. I said it at the beginning. I want to say it again. Every single one of us is called to be a part of the mission and the vision of Jesus Christ for this world. Every single one of us is called to be a part of building his kingdom. Just like the people on the video said what they were called to, God has something for you. Some of you think, I don't have any gifts. I don't have anything to offer. I promise God has something for you. God has a part for you to play. We're not meant to sit and just receive. We're meant to go from given to givers. So, therefore, be alert today. Understand that the end is at hand and pray. Here's what I want you to do. Today, right now, as we sing this song and all through the week, I want you to be praying God, what is it that you're calling me to do? What's my part in building your kingdom? Thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for the gift of life, but call me to something deeper. Maybe you, maybe you feel like you're already into something. You're already following God's calling. Don't ever stop praying for God's leading. Maybe you're brand new to this. We serve a living God and the Holy Spirit is at work. And so I want you to be praying today and I want you to pray every day this week. Father, show us the way. Show us what you want. Father, I pray that you would be with each one of us, each person here. And I pray, Lord, that you would call us. As we worship you, as we go through our week, I pray that we would be alert and of sober mind and that you, we would pray to you and that you would arm us with your attitude. Pray, Lord, that we would live completely for you. Speak to us. Speak to everyone now. In Jesus' name, amen.